we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 204 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Melissa from Cutting Through the Matrix. Melissa, how are you? Oh, I am not too bad. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It is not once a fortnight. You're actually back That's for a right. second week in a row. And the reason being is because you are going to be gone for a little while. Uh, you've got some things that you need to tend to, and that's fine. So we're going to get one more in before you go. And this will go up tomorrow. So I'm not going to I'm not going to hold it for two weeks. We're just going to we're just going to talk about it, uh, talk about things today and we'll just put it up tomorrow. Uh, but you will be gone for a couple of weeks, but you'll be back at the end of the month. Yes, that's right. I hope very sincerely that you have a very happy Valentine's Day, one of the most pointless days, one of the most pointless holidays, <laughs> made up holidays that we have in America. And I hope you eat tons of that god awful candy that you can buy in just about every store. <laughs> the little hearts that have sayings yes. on them. Yes. yes, those and the um, uh, what is it? The uh, the Cadbury eggs. And the, yeah. uh, the peeps don't. For, no, no, that's that's Easter. Isn't no, it? that's Easter. That's Easter. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's we've got kisses. Too, so. Nestle's ki the, the Nestle's kisses. kisses yeah, Hershey's, Hershey's, Hershey's kisses. kisses. That's what they Hershey's are. Yeah. Kisses. And then yeah. um, you've got the uh, the chocolate peanut butter hearts from from Reese's. Right. The, they'll do those. Oh, I haven't seen those. That's oh yeah, I've a... seen yeah yeah I've seen those. Um, they they do the little yeah the little things now. But anyway, right. Um, shall we start with? Um, do you want to start with EVs? Do you want to start? Uh, do you want to start with border? Do, do you just want to get the border thing going? You want to get that out of the way? Are we shooting each other yet? Do you want to do you want to go there? Do you, uh, you want to talk about? Sure, the... we can touch on. I mean, we I I had just said to you that I I hadn't really heard anything. It hadn't crossed my radar, so to speak. So I looked into it and it's a big nothing. I mean, it's still being presented as people, you know, protesters are descending on the border and the the Republicans are all supporting Abbott and Abbott is sending people to sanctuary cities. It's the same as it was a week ago. Except for what you told me about Eagle Pass. Yes, Eagle Pass border crossings. They were averaging three to four thousand a day in crossings there. And since since this has started with the National Guard in Texas and them kicking the border patrol out, they have seen that number drop to three. And I'm not talking about three thousand or three hundred, I mean three. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just for them enforcing mm -hmm. border controls. That's it. That's all they've done. Wow. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Four thousand a day is what they were at. Three between three and four thousand a day. Abbott, oh man, I really don't like this guy. There's something wrong about this one, and I don't know what it is. Uh, says that more than half of the state governors are joined together in support of a very important proposition, and we are, and that is, we are guaranteed by the United States Constitution the right of self-defense if it state if states face imminent harm or invasion. Okay, I understand, but what I don't understand in this is you've got Democrat governors that are talking about sending their National Guard down there. Andy Bashir of Kentucky is one good example of that. Far left guy was one of the most, uh, I think, restrictive states in Kentucky during COVID with the lockdowns and the mandates and, and all the rest of that stuff. And now all of a sudden he cares about the border. This guy has sanctuary cities in his state. And you kind of you kind of alluded to the fact that it could be the fact that the sanctuary cities are being overwhelmed by Abbott. Well, I think that's a possibility. I mean, I think what Abbott is doing by exporting them out of the state into other states instead of 
down across the border and out of the country is wrong. And I, I'll, I, I think it's political theater more than anything else. I do think, though, that probably in these what you call liberal or left states, that the constituents themselves are not happy that these sanctuary cities are being overwhelmed. Because what that means is that services that, you know, citizens of the state expect and are accustomed to are limited because of the influx of the heavy influx of migrants. Also, it's an election year. What angle there is, unless it's, you know, satisfying your voters, I don't know what angle there is for the Democrats to hop on board this. But it does it does feel like posturing for votes somehow. Even so, I honestly, I think the if we're talking in terms of party politics, I hate doing that. But if we're talking in terms of party politics, I think that the Democrat Party is going to suffer major losses this time around if they can't get the the mail-in ballots nailed down somehow. Uh, and the absentee, or not the absentee, uh, the early voting uh, and all that other stuff in the drop boxes. If they can't get that figured out, then I don't think they they have much of a chance this time around. Well, I, I think that election fraud is now the business of the day. Uh, I don't think that. I mean, you know, I've already said how I feel about voting and elections in the first place, but I think it has been clearly demonstrated to the American public, whether this is an an act of demoralizing them or whether it's a fact that they don't have fair and free elections here anymore. I know that a Democrat would argue that they, you know, this is very important to uphold the idea that, you know, elections are not fraudulent. But I saw what I saw with my own eyes in the last, you know, presidential election, and it was pretty obvious what was going on. And it doesn't matter how many trials they have and how many people get censured and slapped on the hands and fined for saying, I mean, they've taken everybody who pointed out the election fraud on the Republican side has been taken to the cleaners. But that doesn't change the fact that people who were watching it saw it in real time. You know, this um, this concept of, of rigging elections or or falsifying elections, this is not a new concept. I, I know somebody that is, a, you know, an older family member, and they told me that when they were a kid. OK, so mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking Great Depression time. OK, mm-hmm. so that that generation when they were a child in the 1930s, they would go through town on Election Day because, you know, people would be out voting all day because we actually had Election Day. Not election week, not election month, not election season. (laughs) And people were not given bottled water and pheasant under glass for waiting in line. Right. If you if you didn't get your sorry behind down there to the polling station, guess what, Jack? You didn't vote that day. Right. That's just the way it was. But even then, that person told me that they would see people down at the local cemetery on Election Day with notepads and a pencil writing Ah. down names on tombstones. They would see that. And they would also see this. You can't do this anymore. At least you're not supposed to be able to do this. But they would always see, and and this is a this is a person that was that was always a split ticket voter, so they were not partisan one way or the other. They would always see the Democrat Party back in the 1930s and, and into the 40s, they would always see the Democrat Party outside of the polling station handing out little bottles of whiskey, telling people <laughs> Vote for us, you know, and then give them a little bottle of whiskey. They would always do that. You can't do that anymore, or you're not supposed to be able to do that. But they would always see that. So th- this idea of we're we're garnering votes, or you know, we're uh, we're stealing votes, or something like that. No, this has always happened. It's always gone on, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. It's, and I think now it's even worse with the voting machines and the. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're talking about online voting now, and the the uh, not the absentees. The absentees are something entirely different. They try to to mix absentee voting with mail-in voting. Mail-in voting mm-hmm. is something completely different. Absentee mm-hmm. balloting is what we have done for decades, and there's never been a problem with it. And the reason that there's never been a problem with it, again, I'm not playing party politics, but usually the absentee balloting, usually that goes in favor of the, the Republican side, usually, if you look at absentee ballots and, and the way they're cast. That usually goes in favor of that. So they, they try to confuse that with mail-in voting. Mail-in voting is something entirely different. And then this Dropbox idea, that stuff is, that's just, that, that's opening the floodgates as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. 
So, but it's not gonna it's not gonna stop. It's been going on for a hundred years. No, uh, or I mean, I, I I wouldn't do it simply because you know, in my lifetime of observation, that I just don't see differences within the parties where it counts, which is the agenda, the long-term agenda. Uh, Someone sent me a clip of uh, George Carlin talking about voting the other day. I had seen it before, but it had been years. And, you know, George Carlin is, he's a bit crude and crass for my taste, but he can be quite funny if you can overlook that for a moment. He was ahead of his time. (laughs) When it came he, to criticizing politics. And his his thing, I don't know if you've seen this one, but he's talking about how he's not going to vote and he never votes and he never would vote for all of the reasons which I just said, because it doesn't make any difference. But he said people are, would always yell at him and say, this is all your fault. This, you know, you, this has happened because you didn't vote. You, We have you to blame for not voting. And Carlin goes into this pretty funny riff about how no, it's your fault because you voted the idiot in. I stayed home. <laughs> so we have you to blame for voting. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Alan Watt was uh, fond of pointing out that in a so-called democracy, all we really have is the right to vote people in. Don't have any say over what they do or what policies they get behind when they're there. We can cry foul, but that's just part of the game. It is. Now, mm-hmm. you, you had to use that word, didn't you? You had to use the word democracy. You had to, you had to yeah. say that. And with that, I'm going to have to now play this. The listeners have heard this before, but you okay. have not. This is the All painful right. clip I was describing to you in soundcheck. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to this, but I'm just going to let... I, I'm, I've, I've made my point on this clear on, on Alexander Soros, but I'm going to let you just assess this this monstrosity. <laughs> like I said, I was just waiting for the gong to sound and the hook to come out and pull him off the stage because somebody <laughs> should have stopped him because he was drowning out there. You know, he was he was dying. This is him. This is just, oh, it's terrible. Uh, because I, I lost the point of what he was trying to say through the whole thing. Um, but, um, you know, I, um, I don't think that that's the, I don't think that that's the fundamental, I don't think the technology is the fundamental issue uh, in, in democracy. Democracy is messy. I mean, you know, democracy is about contestation of ideas. It's about uh, plurality. Um, it's about people having different truths, actually. Now, mm. um, <laughs> fundamentally, uh, how society lives together um, civically um, in those in those contestations um, is, you know, is obviously uh, is obviously, um, you know, quite, uh, quite, uh, you know, quite tricky. But I think that if we play too much on this disinformation card, we're taking the responsibility away from ourselves to actually create a narrative that inspires people to vote and to believe, uh, you know, in um, uh, in uh, in democracy and democratic um, institutions. And on the institutional part, I think that we can talk about uh, institutions as these abstract things, but institutions are also about people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, you know, we just heard this 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 point about untrustworthy people, and we talked about things in the United States like you know, like um, checks and balances, which aren't written anywhere, but are customs. And one man, Donald Trump, literally came in and just took that you know took that took that all away. Um, you know, so um, you know, so um, you know, but when I see this, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, um, you know, uh, more globally regarding, regarding, you know, regarding democracy, I also say to myself, when was this great time that everybody got along so well and, you know, things were going so, so great? I mean, I think, you know, um, um, you know, the, um, you know, I think that we really have to be careful here in, you know, in this nostalgia uh, for a time, uh, you know, for a time past, because a lot of the reactions we're seeing in society are actually reactions to positive, uh, to positive things like, you know, like equality uh, for women, um, you know, uh, and, um, uh, you know, and greater diversity, uh, which come with backlash. I can't handle it. I, I cannot handle it. <laughs> oh, that is so sad. Old Junior's going to get a talking to if he hasn't mm. already. Mm. So this is George Soros's the the crown prince. 
That's that's him. He's the one that's going to take over of, the family biz. Yeah. Of open democracy and open, open border, yeah. open societies, open yeah. borders, open, you know, open, open, open. That's I, I the mean, one. they, yeah, I, I think his head is cracked open. I, I don't know how you can take that seriously. Like I said, I think that uh, he's going to be pulled off for a while and he's going to be coached. And I think the next time we see him, we're not going to hear him quite like that. That's my guess. Well, no, I, the, the thing I hadn't seen him or heard him in several years. And the last time I saw him, he looked like he had been in an all night, a crazy wild party. His fingernails were painted some odd color. He, I, he was very woke in his presentation, very hipster. And so they've calmed that down. They've put him in a suit. They've given him a kind of a normal haircut. They've taken the fingernail polish off. Uh, but I think Are you he sure? Burned... He was at Dallas. Well, I... <laughs> you know, we were talking about the parties that go on. But, there, so. Well, it's true. And, and it, they didn't really give us a close-up, so I couldn't see for sure that he wasn't wearing fingernail polish. But yeah, he's he's fried a, a few too many brain cells. There's not much left there, except that he's the crown prince to the open wallet family. Crown prince. Fried a few brain cells. All right. Um, <laughs> now we have to hear dear old dad. Don't we? Okay. We have to hear. He's going to tell you about how the uh, the glaciers of I think Greenland are going to melt and it's going to cause the Earth to flood because he knows so much about that. This is equally as painful, but not quite as long. <laughs> the melting of the in Greenland ice sheet affects oh no this has been tampered with johnny this it has not, not possibly it has not <laughs> increase the level of the oceans by seven meters that has not been tampered with i assure you ah <laughs> oh. It's like a slow grind when you hear, do you ever hear like that record squeal whenever somebody walks into a room? It's like that, mm -hmm. but it's being dragged all the way out or, mm -hmm. or nails down a chalkboard that just never stop. And these are the people that we're supposed to listen to. <laughs> well, you'd never heard those clips before. So there, no. there was that. No. Anyway, you said democracy, didn't you? You had to. So that's, yeah, <laughs> that's democracy at work. Those are the people that bankroll it, supposedly. Um, shall well, we get... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go, no, go ahead. Well, I, what I was going to say is all of these people, including Schwab and Gates and, you know, I, I believe in the kind of foundation slash philanthropist organization of money. This is a, a brotherhood. They pool all their money. Don't you think it's kind of weird that the billionaires, I mean, Alan would say, isn't it weird that all the billionaires get all of this money and then all of a sudden they all start caring, caring, caring about the same goals, the same thing. So it's climate change and sustainability. And that is true. But I, I, for me, I look at these characters and listen to them. And this is not who's in charge. These are like... No, I'm not even sure that these are the real money managers. I'm not even sure they're at that level. They're almost like spokesmen for the money managers and people to take the the heat and the rotten tomatoes and all of the yelling and the screaming because they are morons. It's simply and they not possible. Yes. They will be replaced if they have to. Be. Yeah. Yeah. For example, Alexander Soros, I think he'll 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 straighten up uh, and he might have some kind of a, uh, some kind of a future, maybe. But he's definitely not his father, I don't believe. Now, George was a little bit more articulate when he used to speak in his younger years. Yes. Um, and I don't see that um, in Alexander, at least not yet, unless he's you know going to go through some serious coaching. But, you know, like I said, I think these guys, as you're as you're saying, they'll replace them, you know, if they're if they're not towing the line. But that's where the money is. That's where the agenda is, and that's where everything is is pushed. It's pushed into this this um, 
uh, and we can get into EVs here. It, it's it's pushed into this agenda 2030, this or 2050 or whatever year that 2100 is what we're going to start hearing about after 2030. I can almost mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee it if we make it that far. That's where everything goes. It goes into that agenda, and you have to be on board with that agenda because that's where everybody else is going to be. And if you're not for that, well, then you don't get any of the the frills, if you will. You don't get to be part of the club. You know the good old boys club or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not part of that that crowd anymore. If mm-hmm. you don't support climate change and sustainability or or inclusivity or DEI or whatever, you're not welcome at Davos. Period. That's you're, right. You're not welcome yeah. down there. Even as a as a quote journalist, if you're not one of the approved journalist outlets, such as say the New York Times or the L.A. Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Associated Press or Reuters or whatever, if you're not one of these groups or one of these these representatives, you don't get invited. Mm-hmm. You have to toe the line of everything they're going to talk about within these meetings, or you can't talk. You have to be on the outside of things. If you catch some of the independent journalists that were down there, they actually had to, of course, they had to pay their own way. And I don't know if I told you this. I was watching one independent journalist that went down there to cover it, had to pay for his plane ticket. Yeah. The plane ticket was 25000 US dollars. To get in at any other time to get into the ski resort in Davos is is just regular price. This mm-hmm. time to get in there was twenty five thousand dollars just for the ticket. And all the hotels and everything were booked out. He couldn't stay at the hotel. He had to book an Airbnb 30 miles away. And that was ten thousand dollars for two weeks. So if you're not one of the approved, then you don't who, get in. Who, fun- who funded that? It was uh, supposedly it, it was crowdfunded, supposedly. Yeah. And then, of course, the outlet that he worked for. Uh, he worked for a, a, another one of the, the alt media outlets, uh, yeah. Rebel News, uh, out of I think it's out of Canada. Uh, or yeah, I, I I was wondering about that because I saw some footage of of one of the Rebel News reporters actually getting arrested, or or I don't know if he was arrested, but he was pulled away by cop like figures. I mean, you know, there's some there's some interesting things that come out of Rebel News for sure. But it seems to me that I've seen one or two or half dozen what looked like very staged mm-hmm. confrontation slash possible arrest or pseudo arrest. So, I mean, I don't want, I don't know. I don't want to no, slang, could, it, but it could be, you I know, was just interested uh, in the, the travel cost was all. Yeah. That, that's the only reason I saw it. No, it is interesting. It's just electric vehicles. Have you bought yours? Do you have your electric vehicle yet? Are you going to be <laughs> buying one? You you told me that you see a whole bunch of them on the road down there. I actually do. I'm I, that that surprised me, but um, evidently they've marketed them pretty well in the area. And the the thing that I was commenting to you is that Texas is a huge state, and the nearest super big city is what they call the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. But for me to get to Dallas is more than an hour drive into the heart of Fort Worth is, you know, probably 40 minutes. And there's no charging stations that I've seen between here and there. I, I I don't get out and about a lot, but I just don't see charging stations everywhere or anywhere, really. And it's going to take you, you, you were saying the same thing with Bruce in Oklahoma. Everything is an hour drive. You know, 45 minutes, an hour. And where is the infrastructure for this? And I have heard the common citizens in this area complaining, saying, you know, this is being pushed on us. And there is legislation that is now punishing us for driving larger vehicles. And, you know, we're being told by the government that we've got to move away and into EVs by 2025 or 2030 at the latest. And where is the grid to support these charging stations? Where are the charging stations? So uh, I'm sure you may have already mentioned this to your listeners, but what you just told me about driving an SUV in downtown Paris, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. If you drive, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll talk about the charging stations here in a second, because we actually went over some statistics from the Department of Transportation in the US. Paris 
in an effort to curb emissions, right? Kind of like that. Do, do you know that? Have you ever heard of the congestion charge that they have in London, London, England? Have you heard about what no. they do there? So no. if you drive a specific kind of car, then you have a, uh, a congestion charge you have to pay. So this is because you emit too many emissions in your vehicle and there's too many cars that drive with this. You have to pay for the carbon that you're, you know, you're emitting there, right? So this is a little bit different. If you want to park your SUV in Paris right now, it will cost you for, for six hours. It will cost you $245 to park your SUV in Paris for six hours in an effort to stop emissions. <laughs> now, a car that is supposed to that is supposed to be parked. Okay, so last time I checked when a car is parked, it's not emitting any emissions, is it? Mm-mm. So in an effort to curb the emissions that it's not actually emitting, you're going to have to pay $245 for six hours. It's just like the French, isn't it? That's, they just do this, this nonsense because it just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what they do. Now, check this out. This is a police van in Montpelier. Yeah. Now, this is an electric, all electric police van. Check it out. It's being charged by, oh, goodness, that's a diesel generator. <laughs> you see what I mean? This is, this is a farce. I saw uh, a fleet of electric buses in London, a video of this a couple of weeks ago, and they're all hooked up to diesel generators. All of them. They, they pull them into the, the like the, the garage like service area and, and they're all hooked up to diesel generators. You fools, how do you think these things get charged? Now, to your point about the charging stations, Bruce and I went over some statistics directly out of the U.S. Department of Transportation run by Mayor Pothole Pete. All of the charging stations that are sponsored by the DOT, the U.S. DOT across the U.S., half of them at any given time don't work. They're out for service. So even the existing ones that we have for people to use to charge their EVs, half of them don't work at any given time. So we're supposed to expand this network and and we're we're banking on wind and solar. We can't use coal. We can't use nuclear. We can't use gas burning, you know, natural gas burners. So what electrical grid are we actually going to use? How's this mm-hmm. how's this going to work? The UK, for example, just to take one of their metrics, the UK right now generates 5% more electricity than the country actually uses. Okay? And the US is not much different. We're we're like eight or nine or something like that. We don't have a very big margin of error. You know, there's not mm-hmm. a, much of a cushion there, but mm-hmm. we have some extra, obviously, because we want to have a little bit of a bumper in case the system gets overloaded. Because if it overloads, then it shuts down and we don't want that. The UK specifically has 5% more electricity than they actually use. If everybody switches to an EV, what's that going to do to the grid? I don't think I have to tell anybody that. The same mm-hmm. thing in the US. If everybody switches to an EV, what's that going to do to the grid? We don't have the infrastructure available and it's not planned, I might add, to support this. And if you get rid of all the subsidies that I was talking about for an electric car, mm-hmm. right now the lithium prices, the stock prices have crashed because no one's buying them. The biggest auto manufacturers, Ford is another one, by the way, I forgot to mention in soundcheck, Ford said they're going to stop making EVs. They actually told the Biden administration three weeks ago they're going to stop. Volkswagen in Germany, Europe's largest auto manufacturer, said they're done because the dealerships here are full of them. People aren't buying them. So why are you going to continue to manufacture a product that no one's going to buy? Where are you going to put them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you get rid of the subsidies, then you're looking at each one of these EVs on average costing almost into the six-figure range, if not more. Mm -hmm. So that is not affordable to the average person. It is just not. The the ones that they have now are barely affordable. Then if the battery goes out seven to 10 years on the Tesla we were talking about, it's around 28,000 to replace the battery pack. The mm-hmm. new the and new that's car, come down, and it, yeah, and it's come down. And the new car right now, I think for the Model Three is around thirty two, thirty four, somewhere along in there. You might as well just mm-hmm. buy a new car. And on top mm-hmm. of this, there's no secondhand market for these things like you have with with regular gasoline, diesel cars, and trucks and vans and, and SUVs. You can resell them in, in used car used car ads and things like that. What are you going to do with an EV? You don't have a secondhand market for that. There's no used mm-hmm. market for it. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a lose 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 all the way around. There, there's no win in any of this. Well, it is in, it is interesting that the what you're reporting here about Ford and about Volkswagen ceasing to make them, but I say that they have said clearly in Agenda Twenty One Slash Twenty Thirty that there are not going to be private vehicles on the road. I've always thought that the EV publicity stunt was just a, a 
placeholder, if you will. It's uh, uh, it's there to keep people occupied, angry or happy or mollified, whatever, until they come up with a reason like a climate lockdown, whatever, to get to keep, you know, get people out of their cars altogether. But it will be interesting to see what happens legislatively and also with the public when they're when it when it kind of hits home that they're not making as many of these as you know what are the NGOs going to say about this because you know the constant cry that we have to stop driving and get off fossil fuels we hear that at the World Economic Forum and all these other different gatherings of the greeny minded sustainable people that won't slow down so what does the question that I have is, what does it actually mean that nobody's buying them and now they're going to stop making them? Well, I don't see it as I don't see it as a victory, but I am curious what it means. Uh, to be honest with you, that's a really good question. I like to think, of course, I, I'm probably wrong, but I like to think that it's actually the consumer that has a little bit of buying power and a little bit of um, voting with their money, if you will. Uh, I like to see that it's the actual consumer saying, look, and, you know, the market saying, we don't want these. I, I like to think that it's that. But at the same time, I also know the attitude of these people that sit on their, you know, sorry, behinds down there in Davos or in the UN or, or wherever. They don't care. They just go ahead with things anyway. They, they just. Yeah. Move ahead with uh, and I mean, that's kind of that. That's my thinking is that I, I see that getting people out of vehicles and away from fossil fuels is a must be because it's really part and parcel of a depopulation agenda. Uh, so what does this mean in the in the meanwhile? That is interesting to me. You know, someone, Neil Foster sent me a few weeks ago a very, very funny clip, a video that I, I think was in London, but it was in the UK. And it was a, a man, I guess he was in his car, but he was filming this woman on his telephone. She was harassing him. She had come up to the vehicle and was screaming at him that he was destroying the environment and putting out carbon and, you know, and so forth, because he was just sitting there in the parking lot with his car idling. And she just got right in his face. And he said, could you please back away from my vehicle and stop assaulting me in this manner. And she just went on and on and on about the damage that he was doing to the environment. And finally, he said, look, lady, this is an electric vehicle. And yes, it's running, but it is not emitting carbon. Okay. <laughs> so, and but she didn't back away. She just said, well, you shouldn't have it running and went on and on and on. I, I don't know of a way to deal with the the hysteria. There's no talking to people like that. There, mm -hmm. There's no way to to reason with them. It's it it's that contaminated, you know, just like the 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 LGBT, you know, drag queen story time, the trans thing, all that stuff. It it's the same it's the same mindset. It's just applied somewhere else. It, it's it's mm -hmm. the same thing. It's a it's it's mass hysteria and there's no talking them out of it. So yeah. What, what do you do with the, cl the climate crazy? She's the same type that would be at a Just Stop Oil protest or an Extinction Rebellion protest, throwing orange paint all over the Mona Lisa, right? Yeah. So No, there there is no reasoning with him. I mean, even when he said, okay, all right, I've had enough and this is an electric vehicle, you know, she's just, well, you should turn it off anyway. That's, yeah. So there there is something that they have already done, particularly in the mind of the youth, where the youth have had... Uh, you know, I don't know what it's like for people, say, uh, pushing between 30 and 40, but anybody under 30, the vast majority of them have had their entire lives being told that the people older than them polluted, drove cars with fossil fuels, ate meat. We have destroyed the planet and they really take this in as gospel. At further, I've also looked at stats that show that car vehicle ownership of people under 30 is, if you compare it to that same demographic owning a vehicle 20 years ago or 40 years ago, it's dropped precipitously. You know, a lot of people in that demographic don't own a vehicle. No, they also don't own anything else either. You know, if you look, well, at, the, the if you look at the demographic from... 
I want to say 20 to 45, they're living at home, a lot of them now. Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're still living with their parents because it costs mm -hmm. too much to, to go out and buy a home. Uh, or, or even, even the rent prices these days are insane. I, I remember I looked at, uh, I looked at a, a at a uh, at an apartment, and in the the neighboring city to where I am, just a few years ago, it was half what it is now, just to rent mm -hmm. an apartment. And it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, and, that, and that's just, you know, now it's over a thousand a month. That that's unacceptable. That's you might as well just be living in a suburb of New York for that kind of money. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, it's kind of through the roof. There's a a trailer park that. I, I pass going into the neighboring town and someone that I knew was looking for accommodation and they really couldn't afford much. And we went and looked at that and I'll grant you, they were nice trailers, but the single bed, you know, the one bedroom trailers were going for 1500 The two bedrooms were going for 2200 a month. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. And the average apartment in this area, so I am told, is over 1500 a month, push, you know, edging up wow. towards 2000 And those were the kinds, like you said, those were the kinds of prices that you used to hear about not even all that long ago in a bigger city like L.A. or New York or Chicago. But Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I don't... I don't like I've I mean, I rented an apartment for several years. I've never paid that kind of money. Never. No, no. So, I mean, we're we're in a place. I was just talking to someone not too long ago this week, I think, about universal basic income and how this has been um, really trial ballooned during the COVID years with the stimulus checks that people got. They were called different things in different countries, but they had them in Canada. They had something similar in the UK. They had something, uh, you know, they just, I think they called them COVID stimulus checks in, in the US. And while some people did actually need that to survive and, you know, they weren't going to work, they weren't making a, a living. I, th I actually think that I, that was on the, the real history that I just recorded with Neil that we got into that discussion. But what I notice, again, with the younger people that have had so much indoctrination is that they are very eager for universal basic income. You know, people like Musk have come out and said, well, you'll have to have it because artificial intelligence is taking over the job. So they're but they're primed for it. They are primed for digital currency. And they have been told that the way that we live, our lifestyles, our cars, the food on our table, the houses that we live in, that none of this is sustainable. And I actually think that a lot of people uh, go for it. And, you know, a thought just popped into my head about the EVs, the fact that they're not making them, uh, that there's no demand for them, but combined with the brainwashing of this up and coming generation, when the World Economic Forum said you will own nothing and you will be happy. What we are getting into is um, the kind of Uber renting, going into bigger cities, particularly on the West Coast, and you just borrow what you need. You borrow the bicycle or you borrow the electric vehicle and then you return it to another spot. And I, I think that this kind of rental economy ha has been positioned in the minds of people under 30 to be a more normal way of living. I mean, we rent our software now, you know, how annoyed I was when, you know, I discovered that I couldn't really buy the word or the, you know, Microsoft yeah, office, office suite anymore. of program. Yeah. yeah. Windows, the, they're trying to do that with Windows now. So to just be a subscription, mm -hmm. you know, subscription base. Uh, so and and, you know, even even down to functions like the cloud, which people have adapted to quite easily, quite readily. And then if you need extra space, you just rent that extra space. So the idea that, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy isn't that alien to a mindset that has been trained to be a renter. You know, I, I to the universal basic income point. I really do think that there will be a there will be a big acceptance of that. Uh, I I do tend to agree with Musk in a certain uh, aspect with the, uh, the the taking of the um, 
the jobs with AI. I do tend to believe that that's, that's a trend that we're going to see happen, just like we had with the computer taking over automation. So I, I think we're going to see an advance in that in that area. I know I played uh, a clip last week when you were on of the uh, the Tesla bot that was folding shirts, if you remember. Yeah. Yes. I, it's it's crude to, to look at it now, but I think given time, I mean, that's just the first generation. Given time, I think that will be something that will actually replace the factory worker, you know, the um, or the, you know, the sweatshop worker, whatever we call them, you know, the ones that are chained to their workstation sewing for 16 hours a day. I think that will actually be replaced. I also think that the algorithms that we have, uh, for example, I think attorneys, I think they'll be replaced within a number of years from now. You already have digital lawyers, both prosecution and defense side. They're already winning cases for both sides. Now, I know well, that's OK few... with me. That's fine with me, too. I think the world <laughs> could do with a few less attorneys. I'm not going to argue with that. But there is a human element here to consider. And it's it's almost like it's just not being considered at all. Uh, I also think that the renting aspect. So you're going to rent everything, you know, the, the Uber stuff. I'm seeing more and more of these little, do you guys have Lime scooters in the cities? I think you do, don't you? These little scooters, you you just, you you scan like a QR code and you hop on them and then you just drop them off somewhere else. They well, do that here um, with like bicycles and all Yeah. And on the West Coast, they have a lot of that. They may have it in Arizona and I, I, I don't, I haven't looked around to see where it is. Surprisingly, as many EVs as I see around here, I have not seen that in the cities here. But I will say that, um, that, you know, I talked to you earlier about the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and I'll just give you a brief description of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex so that you understand it. Dallas has always been cosmopolitan, liberal, left-leaning, um, fancied itself a true... Uh, international kind of big city. Fort Worth is cowboys, country western, God-fearing, leaning towards Republican conservative. So that's the breakdown of what they call the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I recently went up over the um, Christmas holiday, we went on some kind of outing to look at the lights And what we saw, and I kept saying, oh, say it isn't true. Say it's not so, but it is so. They are doing a major overhaul in in large areas of Fort Worth to put in bike lanes, bicycle lanes. Yes. So um, there is road construction all through downtown, out around where the Botanical Gardens is and the zoo and all, you know, it's, it's bike lane city. So that was a little bit heartbreaking to see that. It's it was so basically they're going to try and do what the Netherlands have done. It's yeah. going to have bike lanes everywhere and uh, bicycle uh, car parks, you know, park houses, you know, parking yeah. garages. This is also part of that is you're not going to have a car in the city. You're you're going to be riding a bicycle. You're going to be walking, you know, it's part mm-hmm. of the 15 minute city initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember that, that's that's where they're trying mm-hmm. to transition everything to. But I think another uh, another city that is very um uh, in line with uh, what you were talking about would be Austin, I think, as well. Oh, they're, yes, they're absolutely. Very, very liberal in yeah. that city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I honestly, I with with them stopping making them, the, the biggest manufacturers stopping this, you know, back to the original point. I hope so. At the same time, you know, Ford and, and Volkswagen, uh, at least Ford, I know for a fact, Ford is actually saying, you know what, we're just going to go back to making gasoline cars. We're, we're going to go back to the internal combustion engine. So they're going to go back to that. But if you cut all the subsidies out, no one's going to be able to afford these things anyway. Well, yeah, but here's here's another, um, the other side of the equation to look at is we've lived through, you know, maybe current, not now, not right now, but uh, what, about a year and a half ago where gasoline prices were peaked at, you know, uh, like $7 a gallon in California, uh, the supply chain, the disruption right now in the Middle East, um, with the, what is playing out there right now will affect resources and will continue. I mean, we talked in Soundcheck about Iran, but it's Iran, 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 Iran. We have an expanding situation um, in the Middle East, and what if 
we find ourselves in a situation where we're told it was just a natural evolution. The consumers have spoken. They don't want electric vehicles. So we stopped making them. And oh, hello, guess what? Gasoline is now $12 a gallon, if you can find it. These scenarios, they're not that far-fetched. No, you're absolutely right. And I'll throw another one into that mix with you, the big insurance companies. Oh, Uh, you have a, mm -hmm. yeah. What's to say the insurance Mm -hmm. companies cannot leverage you out by charging you a higher premium for not having an electric vehicle? That's right. Absolutely. I'd actually posed that to somebody years ago and yeah, because they said this whole electric car thing back then, they said, this is crazy. And they still don't like those electric cars. And I said, they'll use the insurance companies to just leverage people out if they can't get it any other way, because they've got the insurance companies in their back pocket. Yeah. Well, what, what, was it you and I that were talking some months back about insurance companies and the COVID vaccination? Yes. The, they're not covering yes. that. Yeah. Any, anything yeah. involving that, they're not doing that. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll do you one better. United Health, which is America's biggest healthcare provider, and that, that covers a lot of people in the U.S. Uh, I actually used to have a policy through them. And it, to be fair, way back when it was pretty good. Now it doesn't cover hardly anything at all. Uh, I was talking to somebody that has one of their family plans and they say it's terrible. Uh, They're actually going to drop it because it's easier for them to just pay out of pocket at this point because it doesn't cover anything. And they were paying Mm $1,200 a month for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have changed their policy starting this year. And they're not the only one. There are several other health insurance companies across the US that are actually changing their policies now, but they're not telling people about it. It's very quiet. The policy change, and this is big, they refuse the, excuse me, they reserve the right to refuse coverage for you if there is a war or an undeclared war that is taking place. An undeclared war. Uh, Yes, they refuse the (laughs) right, excuse me, they reserve the right, I have to get this right, they reserve the right to refuse to give you coverage if there is a war or an undeclared war that is currently taking place. That could mean yeah. anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but the, the point that I was making is that what we saw during COVID were that it was more floating these articles in different uh, medical journals and some of the mainstream press in the form of a poll so I'm not sure if that actually went into policy within insurance companies, but the idea that we were told is that people who were vaccine avoiders or vaccine skeptics were likelier that their insurance rates for vehicle for driving a car should be higher because these people were likelier to take risks. I, I don't know if you saw those, but that was floated I out. Do, and I don't. I do recall yeah. that. Yeah, I, I do recall. But mm-hmm. um, uh, well, we're a couple of years beyond that. And <laughs> I think that the refusers are, are we're, we're sitting pretty right now. <laughs> yeah, but we're paying high premiums for our insurance. We're paying high premiums. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just one of those undeclared <laughs> wars, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those. All right. I want to get into this before we run out of time here. So okay. I, I was talking to you about part of the digital future. I was talking to you about the Apple goggles. Have you seen them? Oh, no, I haven't. Well, I've okay. seen a still photo, but no, I haven't seen what you're about <laughs> to show me. You have. <laughs> first of all, I'm going to show you the people, right? The, the people that are actually wearing these things. They look like complete buffoons wearing these things. But it is a thing, right? Here's a DJ wearing them. It looks like a, and it's just, it, which, okay. Now you, you might be thinking, what on earth are they looking at through these things? I'm going to show you that here in just a second. This is not your typical VR headset. So, you know, the type where it's only what Mm -hmm. you see in those goggles. No, this is augmented Mm -hmm. reality. So this is overlaying everything over top of your world that's around you, right? So I could see this from a DJ, right? Because you're wanting to to keep an eye on everything that's going on rather than look down and get into all the little things that are going on in the turntable. Why not have everything up on a screen in front of you? This is a guy walking across the street in San Jose (laughs) looking like a scuba diver. (laughs) (laughs) And there's traffic, you know, who cares, whatever. And then Uh, here's a guy driving a car with him on, texting, scrolling, doing whatever it is he's doing. You know, I I don't know. This is a Tesla, so it could be on autopilot. I don't know. But he does get pulled over by the police. uh Uh-huh. So, okay. Now, what are they... What are they actually showing, right? So let's take a look at how this actually looks through the 
lenses of one of these things, right? This is what it looks like. I, do you want sound with this? The guy describing sure. it? Okay. Sure. Boy, keeping that triple with the left hand. All right, this is officially a dream come true, right? We got the NBA dashboard over here. I'm watching the NBA game. Let's go heat, right? I can just grab the corner, make it smaller, but then I can also make it huge. Like, look how big I can make this thing. And it feels real. Like, it feels like it's in my space. Like, look, half my dog is not even showing up. What's up, Archie? I'm walking through here. I'm going over here to grab this, right? Like, it just feels real. I got Twitter over there in the corner that I can just look at and then just swipe through. Like, it knows that I'm looking at it. Of course, everything is Vision Pro, Vision Pro. Vision Pro. Tap this. I can go to Safari if I want to. Cl click that open. Grab this. Move it behind me, maybe. So it's not in my way of anything. And tap. To now I'm on YouTube. Let's pause that. Let me go back to the game. Press play. It's just amazing. It's amazing. Mm. That's going to change a lot of things. Absolutely. You know, the interesting thing about that demonstration there, that visual demonstration, is the idea. Remember when they started with like that ticker tape, the stock prices and stuff that ran across the newscast? Yeah. And you, you'll, you'll have, okay, you're, it splits your concentration. It splits your focus. And studies have clearly shown that people with a focused concentration do better at everything. They do better at work. They do better at learning. They do better at absorbing information visually, orally, whatever, than people who split their concentration. And one well-known study Alan actually read several years ago was a group of Ivy League young women, I think it was only women, but they all had this characterization of themselves as multitaskers, high performing multitaskers. And to a woman, every single one of them performed less well, more poorly on anything that was being asked of them in any kind of testing parameter than the women who were only focused on one task at a time. And this is an interesting thing about what might be happening to the brains of people who need that kind of stimulus. So they, they need to be submersed, not just looking at four screens at one time, because all of us might have two or three things open at one time. You know, you've got a book in front of you. You've got a computer screen. I mean, you know, at this moment, I am looking at you and recording on a laptop. And behind me, I've got my desktop computer and it is open. And I've got, you know, so I understand that. But in reality, I'm only doing one thing at a time. Right now, I am talking to you and I'm looking at you. But these people are being raised and have been for years now to think that they can actually do two things at once, three things at once, four things at once. And they may be able to sort of absorb something. But what is happening is that their their concentration is so degraded that they're really not performing, not nearly as well. And that was the interesting thing about this study that was done with the Ivy League young women. Not only did they perform less well, but their ego and arrogance, however they measured that, it might not have been called ego and arrogance, but, you know, let's call it self-confidence, was through the roof. They were convinced, you know, that they were bordering superpowers. Really? It was that bad? As in, like, oh, their, their it, ego was that overinflated? Absolutely. You know, they, they all had this, this incredible assessment of themselves as high-performing multitaskers. Wow. And really, your your cause it's it's actually that's the that's the inverse of it. It's the opposite mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And the and the test showed it clearly. P, you know, people who do one thing at a time, who think about one thing at a time, who look at one thing at a time, outperform by a mile. I can see that to that point. Um, and I also I want to get into this: the cameras, the new AI cameras. You, you remember the um, the TikTok filters that I showed you a while back? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it would actually change the person. Yes. I mean, it would be a, a relatively normal, normally featured 
person and then you apply these filters and it doesn't look anything like them. I mean, it's yeah. something something completely different. <laughs> this is now what is out. This is different from what I showed you earlier. This is a, a different ad. This is what uh, the one that I saw or the one that I saw. This is the Google Pixel 8. Samsung's also doing this in their own their own device. The new S24 Ultra or whatever it is. I, I don't know. One of their executives even said publicly there's no such thing as a real picture anymore as he's promoting their new device. Uh-huh. But in this one, you can clearly see what's going to happen here, right? Here's the family, right? She doesn't have the right smile. Look at all these faces. You can change all these faces on someone. Uh -huh. Oh, look, it automatically changes. This one you saw too, changes everybody's uh -huh. face. Changes everybody's face. Yeah. Everything gets changed. Nothing is real anymore. Yeah. I mean, you, you could talk about deep fake technology, but you don't really need any kind of high tech you don't need to do deep fake technology unless, I guess, you're doing it in real time. If you've got the budget to do it in real time. But anything, any video, any picture can be altered on somebody's phone. And then this gets posted to social media, to the uh, uh -huh. overly inflated ego people's profiles. And everybody sees <laughs> that. Right. And it's and it's not real. No, none of this is mm -hmm. real. We're, we're literally we're creating a fake world and we're calling it real. Mm-hmm. Bruce made the point about how this is going to be detrimental to people. I, I believe it's it's going to further demoralize people as well mm -hmm. because you're you're seeking perfection on social media. You see a, a perfected image on there. I know people that use these filters and I look at the person and I'm like, they don't look anything like that. No, they just don't. No, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, though. I mean, most people don't look anything like it. But what I've noticed in the last five to eight years is what I call, you know, the cartoon woman. It's, it's specifically, you'll see this with women. They have taken to presenting themselves publicly um, like a like an avatar of their online image so that publicly they've become the avatar. And what I'm describing, and you may have seen this in Germany too, the women's makeup there's a uniformity to it. Have you noticed that the brows are all kind of straight and they're very painted on? This is a fashion. The uh, There's a certain kind of makeup. The lips are very pronounced and painted on. But what you're seeing in the public presentation of the woman is that she has become the physical avatar of her online avatar. That's what they dress like. You see it in people like the Kardashians, you know, overpronounced everything until the way that they look is a cartoon. So I just said the Kardashians, but what you're seeing is not just the mega influencers, but the lower level influencers trickling out into the general public. So that if I go into my area grocery store, there is a real possibility that the checker there has one of two things, you know, kind of uh, look at my latest tattoo or I am the avatar of my avatar. Just like, I feel like I'm just like, I, what world did I wake up in? You know, I like this is not this is not sane. You know, th this kind of behavior. Well, we're talking yeah. About. Hello. This is not sane at all. This is this is insanity. You know, I this is a good I, I feel like we're probably coming down to the end of our time here. We are, but yes. I I have recorded. I just mentioned that I did real history with Neil Foster that I, I do once a month. And he's going to be the last real history I do, possibly until the first week of March. And he and I got into some things I mentioned, like the universal basic income. But I'll give a teaser to your listeners. Neil made a really interesting point about virtual, augmented reality, all of the things we've been talking about. He kind of took it to the next step tied in a little bit of Alan Watt. And it's uh, so that's your teaser. Listen tomorrow to Real History and the conversation that I had with Neil. And you get an idea of where they want to take people, the people who own nothing, but they're happy anyway, who are no longer living in reality. What really is their fate? Well, tune in tomorrow. 
Well, I guess I don't have to ask you what's on the next podcast. <laughs> you kind of already beat me to that point. So, um, do you want to talk about what you've got that you're working on on the website before you go? Well, there, uh, there are also the latest in the excerpt series. And even though I am taking some time off, there is going to be a redux. That is a talk of Alan's that will go up each of the Sundays that I'm not so hands-on with the website. And there will also be the, sh the excerpts, the controller series and the signs and symbols. And I believe that the, that the signs and symbols, it, it's all kind of running together in my head, but signs and symbols this week was Disney. And the controller series is the second installment on Carl Jung. So it, the signs and symbols is really cool because it gives you, you know, just a few, few minutes to see the ways in which your media are always or your celebrities flashing their hands, signs and so forth are always communicating something different than what you think they're communicating at first glance. Disney, what a god-awful organization. That <laughs> That's terrible. I will see you in three weeks. I'll see you at the end of the month. So That's right. have, yeah, have a good few weeks off, and I hope everything goes well for you, and I will talk to you then. That is Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information where she and the other curators maintain the life collective works of the late, great Alan Watt. Again, that is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and her podcast is Real History with Melissa. That is available everywhere you get your podcasts. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will see you in three weeks. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone, and have a great evening. Thank you.